Welcome to the Lake Show Life Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Reed. Welcome back to another episode of the Lake Show Life Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Reed, the acting side expert over at lakeshowlife.com, part of the Fan Sided Podcasting Network. Today we got a bit of an interesting show for y'all. Uh, no guests. Uh, we had a guest last week. We had Skylar Treppel talk about the Celtics game. Uh, the episode before that, we were with the Sixer Sense guys, kind of used some of their podcast audio over on over on this feed. Uh, today I'm just coming at you solo. Uh, today we only have one game to talk about, one game to preview, one game to talk about in terms of a recap. Um, coming at you on Monday, of course, February 1st. Tonight we play the, we, I should say the Los Angeles Lakers, play the Atlanta Hawks coming off of a nice win over the Boston Celtics, a last second win. Um, and before we jump into anything, of course, as always, if anyone could leave a five-star review on our podcast page over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be greatly appreciated. Really helps us out, really helps, you know, build the audience, you know, create a bigger community. And that way, you know, we could talk to each other more. Um, any questions, concerns, comments that are left on the reviews, I will read on the podcast. Uh, and if you don't want to do that, you know, I know it's kind of a nuisance. I don't think I've ever left a five-star review on a podcast, if I'm being 100% honest. Uh, just give us a follow, a subscribe, whatever the word is, as my listeners know, whatever the word is and whatever platform you're on. Um, that'd be greatly appreciated. We got some fun stuff coming at you. Uh, some great Lakers talk. If you're a Lakers fan, if you're, of course you're a Lakers fan. Why wouldn't you, why would you be listening to this if you're not a Lakers fan? Maybe you're a Hawks fan. Um, it's going to be fun. Uh, before jumping into the Celtics game and the Hawks game, though, I did want to talk about a little something. I always start with a little bit of a monologue. I call these my little tangents. Um, and that's the Lakers center position. So this is something I've talked about, you know, in other podcasts, you know, last week with Skyler, we talked about, you know, Marcus Gasol and should they be worried and whatnot. And I've briefly mentioned it as like the Lakers one big need. They really do need that second traditional center off the bench. You know, right now, Trez is kind of that guy. And I'm just terrified of the day where we're in the playoffs uh, against either the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, uh, maybe the finals against the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid, um, any of these talented bigs, really. There's not a lot in the NBA anymore, but there are some that should be worried about. Um, I'm worried about those matchups for two reasons. One, Marc Gasol plays fewer than 20 minutes a game, and he's going to step it up in the playoffs, and he might get a little bit of a bigger role, but he's still old. You know, he's still – I'm worried about how he holds up in a playoff series, you know, down the stretch, especially the deeper we get in the playoffs. And B, if he gets in early foul trouble, this team's screwed. Um, you know, if if the plan for the Denver Nuggets or the Philadelphia 76ers is to go out and get Gasol in foul trouble, get him, you know, three first half fouls, three first quarter fouls, whatever the case may be. I mean, Vogel would probably pull him at two, but that creates a massive mismatch that could swing an entire game and swing a playoff series. You know, you figure you bring Trez, is, Trez in, and I love Trez offensively, and I think he's good enough defensively to hold his own against most NBA centers. The problem is, is Nikola Jokic and uh, Joel Embiid are not most NBA centers, and he is going to get cooked against both of them. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. You know, I've been on the, the pro-Trez, you know, team talking about how his defense is a little underrated, all this stuff. If he comes up against Jokic or Embiid, it's, it's trouble. It is serious trouble. Um, so I worry about that. I'm scared about that. So I think the Lakers need to go out and get someone. Now, the market's obviously not huge. Um, the one name that I keep going back to, and I think really is the biggest possibility at this point is another NBA brother. So obviously Gasol, brother of Pau Gasol. Um, I'm not talking about Brooke Lopez. I'm talking about Robin Lopez. Uh, Robin is on the Washington Wizards, who are <laughs> four and twelve, I believe, four and twelve or four and thirteen. Uh, they are the worst team in the East. 
this is after, you know, trading John Wall and a first round pick for Russell Westbrook, which I said this back when we covered the trade, you know, back in the offseason. I liked that trade for Houston just because you're trading two distressed assets and getting a pick in return and two terrible contracts and getting a pick return. I, I think they won that trade no matter what. I know John Wall, you know, is playing okay, and that's not really what it's about. It's just about the future and whatnot because neither team was going to move the needle with that trade. Um, but we're talking about Bradley Beal trades. You know, he's not going to the Lakers. The Lakers just don't have the package to give up for Beal. Maybe when he's a free agent in the future, they could lure him in. I would love to see him in L.A. Uh, he would just be so perfect alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But it's not going to happen. Don't expect it to happen. But that doesn't mean the Lakers have to miss out on the fun. You know, they could obviously try to, you know, pursue someone, pursue someone on the Wizards to help them out. Robin Lopez is that guy. If we really look at it, I mean, Washington has some young centers that they potentially want to get minutes. I mean, Thomas Bryant, he's hurt, but, um, you know, he's going to get minutes when he comes back. Former Laker, um, he's out for the season, I believe. Yeah, he tore his ACL, so he's out for the season. So he's not going to get minutes this year, but, you know, Maurice Wagner, uh, they just brought in Alex Len. He's not young, but he's someone who can give minutes. Um, it's just really a case of this being a terrible team and getting whatever they can out of someone. Robin Lopez on an expiring deal. He signed a one-year deal before the season, $7 million salary. Um, he's just someone who makes sense for the Wizards to trade. Now, can the Lakers acquire him in a trade? Yes, it'd be a little tricky. Uh, I believe if they trade Jared Dudley, uh, Fonzo McKinney, and they elevate. Now, this is where it gets hard because if they elevate one of the two-way players, they're going to have to release someone. They might have to like release Quinn Cook or something to get this done. And maybe, I don't know, they don't really need Quinn Cook if we're being honest. Um, release him, open the roster spot, elevate uh, Devontae Kasich. And then it should be right where the salaries match. So Kasich would be making right under $1.7 million. Um, they would need an additional $1.7 million to make that trade work on top of McKinney and Dudley. Uh, so it should be able to work. Um, and really, that's all it would take, honestly. I think maybe a future protected second-round pick, maybe. But you look at it, if you're the Wizards, you're trading half a season of a guy you just signed for a throwaway in Jared Dudley, a young wing in McKinney who you know could get some minutes off the bench if needed. And most importantly, you know, you get a young center in Kasich who, you know, Thomas Bryant obviously, you know, was a, a G League guy who really thrilled and uh, really succeeded in the G League and has been great for them. I was really disappointed when the Lakers let him go. Um, even Maurice Wagner, you know, traded for him. Uh, Bonga, a former Laker. So they kind of they got this former Laker thing going so they could sell half a season of Robin Lopez for just the potential of Kasich. I absolutely think that is something they could do. Um, and if that doesn't formulate, you know, the Lakers shouldn't show desperation. They should just, you know, keep the course and see what happens. I could see him being a buyout guy. I mean, $7 million is a big number for teams to match for a, you know, bench center who's not fantastic. Um, and I could just see there being no market there and they just buy him out. You know, they do the classic, do the agent a favor, save a few dollars. Um, and hopefully that comes back to help them down the line, you know, with said agent. And if that's the case, then Robin Lopez should be signed right away because, you know, he's not fantastic, obviously. I just, you know, he's he's Robin Lopez. He's 32 years old. I think he's better than people think, but he's kind of past that point in his career. But he's had some good playoff series where he's really been a grinder and really, you know, shown some things. Um, he would come off the bench for the Lakers. Again, he would just be that security option for Marcus Gasol. He'd be the guy in the regular season who should get 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes a game just to keep Gasol healthy to get to the playoffs. That's also important. We haven't talked about that, you know. It's getting Gasol to the playoffs. He's old, you know last thing you want is his legs to, you know, kind of give out from under him. Um, you compare Lopez to someone like JaVale McGee, who Lopez last season averaged 14, Lopez this season, excuse me, is averaging 14.6 points, 8.2 rebounds per 36 minutes. If we compare that to JaVale McGee last season, McGee averaged 14.3 points, 
no, 14.2 points and 12.9 rebounds per 36. So exact same scoring output. And of course, Lopez is probably going to get a little bit better if he's sharing the court with LeBron James. LeBron always makes these big men better. Um, rebounding, not quite as good as JaVale. And Robin Lopez is an exceptional rebounder, but he's someone who can get boards, you know, especially off the bench and, you know, against, against lesser guys. Defensively, I mean, he's not having a good season this season, but he's also on the Washington Wizards, which hurts. I mean, his defensive rating is 118, but this is the worst defensive team in the league. Defensive box plus minus, negative 1.8. Not numbers you want to look at, um, but throughout his career, he's always he's been a, a league average defender. Last year, he was 0.4 defensive box plus minus. For his career, he's negative 0.6. So he's right at that league average mark. And, you know, they don't need someone that's sensational defensively. Uh, they just need someone who's a seven-footer, which he is, that can come off the bench and kind of just be that support guy just in case. Um, and that's what he is. He's another body to throw out there, and that's important for playoff teams to have. And they need it because Gasol has been good defensively. He's been a non-factor offensively, which Robin Lopez isn't going to bring much offensively. And they don't really need offense, if we're being honest. I think that's kind of unfair to Gasol. But he he's still not doing as much offensively as we would have hoped. And like I said, you know, 19.4 minutes per game. And I, I, I'm just worried. I'm just worried, you know, so... That's how I look at it. I think Robin Lopez is the guy. There's other options available, some lesser names. But if I had to pick anyone in the league for the Lakers to kind of get to help Gasol, it would be Robin Lopez. He's the one that makes the most sense to me. He's the one that should be on the market with the Wizards, you know, should just be committing to the tank and getting whatever they can, you know, possible on the roster. And, you know, someone who could even be bought out. Um, JaVale McGee is a really fun option, but the Lakers cannot trade for McGee or sign him if he's bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers since they're the team that traded him he would have to be traded to another team and then traded to the Lakers or traded to another team, then bought out for him to, you know, become a Laker again. Um, that's not saying that's impossible. That has happened before, but I wouldn't bet on it. Um, so I'd love JaVale McGee back. You know, I wrote about how it would be a great reunion for the team, but just logistically with the rules of the NBA, it's just not, you know, it's not going to happen, unfortunately. And besides that, there really isn't anyone. I'm a little disappointed they let Dwight go. Uh, I know they don't, they didn't really think they needed depth at the position, and he only signed for, what, a $2 million deal. Um, I think he would have been great off the bench. Kasich, you know, has potential, but he's too green to be trusted, and he's only 6'7". He's not, like, that big-bodied center that they need. Um, they they just need someone, you know. I, I guess you can't really – you know, I was going to nitpick, say maybe they should have drafted someone, but they didn't really – they didn't have their pick. They traded it for Schroeder. I just they, – they need someone. And, like, someone like McKinney, who's kind of a r- wasted roster spot, if we're being honest. I'd rather have a center in that roster spot. Even Quinn Cook, again, would rather have a center in that roster spot. Two guys who not are not playing, really, and aren't adding anything new to the team at areas where they're already deep. So that's what I want to see. I want to see Robin Lopez in the purple and gold. Hopefully a better option. You know, if the better option emerges, go for that, obviously. If you can get better than Robin Lopez, then get better than Robin Lopez. But that's what I want to see. Um Yeah, before we get into the Celtics and the Hawks talk, a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, so Boston Celtics, Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk about the Celtics game, of course, first, because that's what already happened. Uh, Lakers went into Boston, coming off of an ugly loss against the Detroit Pistons. Had a two-game losing streak. You know, had that hard-fought game against the Sixers. Clawed back in it. Really... Didn't deserve to be in that game down the stretch, but clawed back in, and then Tobias hits that beautiful, you know, jumper over Alex Caruso. Caruso, great defense, can't blame him there, and that's the difference. And then they go into Detroit, and it was exactly, you know, it was predictable in hindsight. You know, back-to-back, coming off a big game, 
no AD rode back to back. And in that fourth quarter, like I said, you know, with Skyler, you could just tell that that was their eighth quarter of basketball and, you know, 24 hours or maybe more 36 hours. Um, and they just kind of fell apart and kind of let that game go. But this was a big game. Uh, I would say probably the biggest game of the season thus far. You know, I was really, really excited for the 76ers game, more so than this game, ironically, even though it's the Celtics. Um, and they've had some big games recently, you know, Bucks, 76ers, now the Celtics. This was on ABC, Saturday night primetime. And it was a, a huge game, and it delivered. It delivered on the national scale, on the national uh, stage, I should say. Uh, it was a really good game. It was a low-scoring game. It was a back-and-forth game, and it was fantastic. Now, the Lakers obviously won the game, won the game by one, and there was a little bit of deja vu because the Lakers, you know, they struggled in the third quarter, as they have at times this season. You know, they took a deficit. They were down, what, seven going into the – it might have been – no, nine. They outscored – no, six? A seven, I think it was. Um, <laughs> terrible. Uh, going into the fourth quarter, LeBron kind of takes over. He hits two big threes. They go on a run, I believe an 8-0 run. Lakers take the lead, and then it's kind of tit for tat down the stretch, and you have some Lakers possessions. The Celtics were coming up big, making their shots, Jason Tatum and whatnot. Um, and it, it came down to there being a loose ball. The Celtics go on the, on the other end. The, the Lakers playing great transition defense to kind of keep the team from getting to the basket. Kemba gets the ball. Exact same shot that Tobias Harris had the other day. Misses it. Daniel Tice gets a putback opportunity, and it definitely he definitely got it off on time. Misses the putback. The Lakers avoided another one-point loss. Um, literally, it was looking exactly like the 76ers game uh, where the Lakers were down, came back in the fourth. This time, they were able to hold on to it, whereas the 76ers, obviously, Tobias makes that shot. So that was promising. Um, you know, there were some, some things to take away from this game. Anthony Davis looked phenomenal. He really came out firing, was fantastic in the first quarter. Kind of leveled out a bit throughout the game, but he still finished with 27 and 14. Uh, and he's just proving yet again that when he wants to on the big stage in the big games, he's going to take over. He's going to be Anthony Davis. He's had a really slow start. He even say that he thinks he sucks. Um, but it's Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? He's going to play fantastic. I wouldn't worry about it. Again, these games in the grand scheme of things don't matter. The MO is just staying healthy. And once it ramps up and things really matter, you know, AD is going to go off. And we've seen it in the big games. He has gone off. I mean, this game against his hometown Chicago Bulls. He played well against the Bucks. Um, he didn't play great against the Sixers, to be honest, but he's going to go off, and that was more of just the Sixers game planning him really well. Um, LeBron, 21-7-7, again, hit those two big threes down the stretch. You know, he did what he had to do. Uh, Trez was good off the bench, scored 16. That was my actual gold player. I said he was going to score 20. Not quite 20, but he was almost there. Uh, I was really impressed with Taylor Horton Tucker in this one. He had some really good inside passes. I believe it was two possessions in a row, actually, where it was – uh, you know, LeBron got the hockey assist pretty much where it was LeBron, THT, quick feed to Trez, um, you know, at the rim to finish it. He has to work on his shot. He isn't shooting the ball really well. He still seems, you know, I, I know this is going to sound sad, bad. You know, Laker fans love THT. He seems still seems a little slow, um, but I, he, that's doable. They can make do with that, but he's got to shoot the ball better. I mean, 33% from beyond the arc isn't terrible, um, but once he works on that outside shot and he gets that going, he's really going to be dynamic. Again, he's only 20 years old, but he, he just looks wise beyond his ears. You know, he's got good finishing at the basket. He's got good passing, good vision. And he is someone who in three years, like the Laker fans could be really excited for, honestly. And I mean, they're already really excited for him, but THC is going to be good. And he reminds me of Caruso where Caruso got a bunch of love and buzz. And then everyone's like, oh, he's overrated. But then if you look at it, he's one of the best defensive guards in the league. THT, I feel like, is going to be the similar thing where he's getting a lot of love and buzz because of his preseason and non-Laker fans are like, okay, come on, this guy's a second rounder. Like, 
plenty of teams have this level of guy. He's, you know, not anything to worry about. And then he's going to get underrated in the future. I think his ceiling's much higher than Crusoe, though, because, you know, he's what he can do on the offensive end and defensively, you know, THC could be a really good defender. Uh, he's got that length, you know, pick, pick off the passing lanes and whatnot. Uh, this season, in terms of defensive box plus minus, he has a 1.8. So he's already playing solid defense. He's actually negative 2.6 offensively. That's surprising. Um, but yeah, he's he's good. I'm excited for him. Um, if I had to nitpick one thing about this Lakers-Celtics game, it was a win, but you know we got to keep it 100 here. I didn't like the possessions down the stretch. So there was, you know, not some, not the most inspired, you know play sets and whatnot like LeBron was taking some deep threes that just you know obviously hit those two but then he took some bad shots he took a bad three that he missed um, and I believe the Lakers got the offensive rebound if I'm remembering correctly but you know he still missed a shot and there was one point where I believe there was what a minute left in the game I might have to pull up the shot chart um, there was a minute left in the game and you know the Lakers were up two possessions at that point and it's kind of you're in clock so uh, you know taking up the clock territory kind of winding down the shot clock, taking up as much time as you can. You obviously don't want to wait till the last second to take a shot because that's when things get troublesome and, you know, they you're forcing yourself a bad look. But they needed to waste more time than they did. So let's see. They were up. Let's see if I can find this. 96-90, right? Yeah, 96-91. With, they got the ball at a minute 34. And at a minute 27, Anthony Davis takes a 16-foot jumper. Now, so they only wasted seven seconds on the shot clock. Um, and it wasn't a great shot. I mean, it's AD. He usually makes those, but you know, he had a hand in his face. It wasn't an open look. You would like to see the team kind of soak away some time there. You know, you figure you take over a minute 34. If you shoot with five seconds left on the shot clock, you're draining that all the way to what a minute. So 19 seconds, a minute 07. No, my math is way wrong. A minute 15. So an extra 12 seconds off the clock, you know, you're up five and you potentially make that shot. You're up seven or eight with a minute 17 left. Um, minute 15 left gosh I'm terrible uh that's way different you know because then you could soak even more clock instead they miss the shot Celtics make a shot with a minute nine left all of a sudden they're down three with a minute left now the Lakers have to score this next possession um they obviously don't LeBron misses the three they get the offensive rebound and then that's when LeBron fumbled the ball Celtics got the ball back Jason Tatum makes the the the, um the little floater to uh make it a one-point game and then you know again it wasn't a great shot either uh, Anthony Davis took I mean Kemba blocked it um, and then obviously that sequence to end the game the Lakers were able to get away with the dub um, I just would like better possessions ESPN's playing autoplay videos I would just like better possessions down the stretch quite frankly I mean this game shouldn't have been a one-point game they were up six with a minute 40 left 95 89 um, 96 89 they were up seven um, and then you know Kemba obviously makes his shots and whatnot but did you foul him with only six seconds in the shot clock you know um, Schroeder fouls Kemba that's just bad. You know, try to make them take a shot, waste more time, anything. This game really shouldn't have came, come down to the point it did. I mean, obviously, if AD makes that 16-foot jumper, then we're not even talking about this. It's like, who cares about how much time they took off the clock? But between that AD jumper and not taking more time off, you know, not if you're going to take a shot that early, it has to be wide open. It wasn't. And then LeBron taking that three. Um, and it's him fumbling the ball out of bounds is going to happen. I'm not too worried about that. It's just the the timing and the shot selection down the stretch did not love and we see this term LeBron sometimes, but when he makes them, it's amazing. Um, that's what I like to see: some better closeout, some better, you know, possessions down the stretch, because these are the things that can burn a team in the playoffs. And this wasn't a case of like I've been saying they're playing at eighty percent and they're just trying to stay healthy. This they were trying to win this game, obviously. And I just, I just didn't like the sets. Um, I didn't like the timing of it, and 
they do need to be better than that because they honestly like probably should have lost. I mean, Kemba misses that shot that he easily can make. And then Daniel Tice, you know, misses a rarely simple, you know, a fairly simple putback. So got a little lucky, but a W is a W at the end of the day. And that's all that really matters. Um, heading into the game against the Atlanta Hawks. So the Hawks are, what is this? 15, 10 and nine. I don't know where I got 15. They were 10 and nine on the season. I had them going over 500 before the year. You know, we talked about it before the season, all the additions they made. You know, I really liked how their team was looking. Uh, obviously, former Laker Rajon Rondo's on the team. They brought in uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. They brought in uh, Danilo Gallinari. They brought in a lot of good guys. Uh, Chris Dunn, great defensive player. Uh, DeAndre Hunter's taken a big step up this season. Uh, he's been really good for them. Uh, John Collins, obviously solid. Um, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, they are both been young players who have been getting better. Clint Capella's a good addition. Like, they got guys. They they have guys. Um, interesting that they're play, they're paying Danilo Gallinari a bunch of money to play 15 minutes a game. Don't understand that one, but it is what it is. I'm not going to complain about another team's decisions. Um, so they got the they got the guys. They're a decent team. Um, offensively, you know, they're they're pretty they're about league average, really. Both of them. You look at it, points per game, they're tenth. Uh, defense defensive points allowed per game, they're twelfth. Uh, effective field goal percentage, this is where they're terrible, twenty fifth. Uh, defensively, though, they're second. They have the second best defensive uh, effective field goal percentage, which is really good. Um, they're just like a league average team, honestly, who they're in the East. They're probably going to make the playoffs because they're in the East. You know, you look at it, they're, like I said, 10th in points, 12th in opponent points. Uh, net rating, they're 8th, so that's pretty decent. 7th uh, offensive rating, 10th defensive rating. So they're a, solid, they're a sneaky good team. I wouldn't sleep on the Hawks. That being said, I, I like the Lakers in this one. Um and I'll tell you why when we get into the betting picks. First, I want to get into the purple and gold players. Obviously, purple and gold players. For those that do not know, the purple player is a role player on the other team that the Lakers need to bang up a little bit. Leave him purple. Leave him some bruises. I know it's not the greatest name, but got to go with what you have. Um, so that's a role player on the other team the Lakers need to look to limit. The gold player is a player on the Lakers. Gold, obviously, meaning good. That I think the Lakers that is going to have a fantastic game for the Lakers. Um we have to do role players because we could just pick AD and LeBron and Trey Young or whatever every single time. That's no fun. We need to expand it. That being said, purple player, role player the Lakers need to look to limit. That's Clint Capella. Yes, he's a role player. I know he's a big name because he was on the Rockets. He's a role player. Um, the Lakers are on a run of facing some good bigs. You know, they had Joel Embiid, uh, the Pistons, you know, Blake Griffin. He's not great anymore, but he's still decent. The Cavs even have size. Uh, they have Andre Drummond, Kevin Love, all those guys. Um, they're a big team. Celtics, Tristan Thompson, he, you know, he's no one to sleep on. So they're on a run of facing some, some traditional centers. This is another one, Clint Capella. He's averaging 13.7 points and 14.5 rebounds per game. Um, And really what's important here is, you know, you obviously want to limit his offense and rebounding. You don't want him having a 15 and 15 game, but what's really key for the Lakers in this one is how they limit Capella when Marcus all is either not guarding him or not on the floor. So Skyler talked about, the man-to-man defensive assignments against the Sixers, and they have to try to limit the switching and whatnot. Um, They have to try to limit the switching here and keep Gasol on Capella. Yeah, AD can guard Capella, but he hasn't really shown a big interest in guarding centers, and he said he doesn't want to play center long-term and all this stuff. Um, Yeah, he could guard Capella here and there, but there's a lot of times where, you know, LeBron might get switched on him or they might switch someone else onto him. Um, So, you know, limiting him in that regard, and then when Gasol's off the court, you know, and Trez is on the court, whatever, you know, AD might be guarding Capella then. Um, that's when Capella is going to, you know, get most of his boards, get most of his points. And that's when the Lakers need to look to limit him. 
That's not going to be a whole lot of time with Capella on the floor when Gasol's not, but that's part of the problem of only having a center, of having a center who only plays 19 minutes a game, and that's why they need another center. Um, because there are going to be some mismatches at points in this game. You figure Capella's averaging, what, 25 minutes a game? Let's look at this real quick for the Hawks. Capella is averaging 29 minutes a game. So basic math, that's 10 minutes a game. 10 minutes this game where Capella's going to be on the floor and Gasol is not. And, you know, that's 10 minutes of a pretty big match, a, a mismatch. And that can swing an entire game. So limiting him, especially when Gasol's not on the court. When Gasol's on the court, I'm not too worried. Gold? I'm going to go with Contavious Curry-Pope. Um, yes, I said Curry on purpose. Uh, he was lights out, you know, a few games ago. He started the season red hot. He was shooting, what, like 57% from beyond the arc. Uh, he had that insane game where he went, like, what, 6-7, or he started 6-6 six six or something. Um, that has since gone down. He's shooting 47% from beyond the arc this season, which obviously sounds amazing still, but he's it's because he's been cold the last few games. I mean, if we go back, so he went 7-10 for 10 from deep. Uh, that was against the Milwaukee Bucks. Since then, 1 for 3, 1 for 8, 1 for 2, 0 for 1, 0 for 2. Shooting a combined uh, 18% from beyond the arc in those games. Not taking that many threes. Only averaging 4.8 points. Uh, still playing 25 minutes a game. He's been kind of MIA. Um, and I think this is an opportunity for him to swing it back and have another really big game and you know remind people that KCP is a very good basketball player. Um, with Chris Dunn out, the backcourt defense for the Atlanta Hawks is just not good. Um, you know, Chris Dunn's their best defensive guard besides him. You know, you look at Trey young, obviously not a good defender. One of the worst defenders in the league. Uh, Rajon Rondo, not a great defender. Um, it, it's just, you know, they they don't have good defenders in the backcourt and that's going to be a problem. Um, you know, Deandre Hunter, he's a three, but he might guard, you know, KCP some, he's not playing this game. He's injured. Um, so that's big. It's just, I mean, what Tony Snell, they might throw Tony Snell at him, Solomon Hill. I mean, these are guys they could throw at him, but, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich, if I'm not mistaken, he's out. He's been out for a while, right? Yeah, he's out. Um, he's not playing. So the defensive, just the backcourt defense is atrocious, and I think KCP is going to capitalize on that. He's going to make some big threes. I predict KCP to make at least four three-pointers in this game. That seems like a lot. How many times has he made four three-pointers? A handful of times. He KCP is going to make four three-pointers in this game. That is my prediction. He's going to have 18 points. Nah, uh, we'll say 12 points, two from free throws, 14. and We'll say 16 points, four threes. He's going to go four of seven from beyond the arc. Um, so he's made four threes, one, two, three, four times. So it's going to be a fifth time tonight. I like that for KCP. Um, yeah, and I think he's going to I think he's gonna take advantage of this backcourt defense because it is not good. Um, and that kind of leads into my betting predictions. Um, and it's kind of telling, you know, when based on what I said, you kind of know what I'm going to pick. Um, I will say I went 0-2 against the Boston Celtics. I had Lakers minus 2.5. I actually had – so those that listen know I have a model that I put in some numbers, and it spits out a final score, the, the score margin. I had the, the Lakers winning by 1, but I loved Lakers minus 2.5 so much. you know, And it, they really should have covered it. Maybe that's why I'm so upset about the time-wasting – or not time-wasting in the shot selection because they should have won by 3 or more, and they didn't. Um, obviously, if they hit that last shot and then Boston doesn't score, they would have covered – um, but maybe I should just listen to the model, even though I'm not following the model completely in this game. Um, but I went over two, had the the Lakers covering two and a half. I had the over, the under way hit. I'm still hot. I'm 11 and 13 in my last 14. Uh, some may say this is swinging back down. It very well could be. I'm worried about that. I'm 22 and 16 on the season, which isn't bad. You know, I'm as someone who obviously doesn't do this for a living, do the the betting for a living. I'm proud of that 22 and 16 record. You figure if you bet one unit on each game, that's you're 
up around four units on minus 110 odds. That's not bad. I just want to be positive. That's all I care about. Um, the line in this game, courtesy of the Action Network, the bet MGM odds on the Action Network, we have the Lakers are five and a half point favorites, and the over-under is 218.5. So can the Lakers win by two three-pointers? My guess is yes, they will. So my model says it's going to be 112-110. So the over is barely going to hit, and the Hawks are going to cover. Again, maybe I should just always listen to the model. But I'm not going to this time. There's some things that the Hawks should be worried about. I've talked about it. Dunn is out. Best defensive guard. That's a problem. DeAndre Hunter, Hunter out. He's been their second best player really this season. Uh, maybe John Collins, but he's out. You know, that's a big deal. Uh, Trey Young and Unway. Un, <laughs> I'm terrible with names. Unkongwu. Uh, I'm just going to say his last name. Uh, they're both dealing with injuries. They're both probable to play, but they're still both dealing with injuries. Unkongwu is an Achilles. Trey Young is, um, I believe, an ankle they might not be, they might be 90%. You know, obviously, Nkongwu is a bench guy. He doesn't matter too much, but Trey Young does matter. That's their best score. Um, you know, and they're a middle of the road team, like I said, both defensively and offensively, and they don't have their best backcourt defender. That's a problem. You know, without that, their defense really takes a hit. And I just look at it and I look at who the Los Angeles Lakers are, and this is just a matchup nightmare for them. Like, who's going to stop LeBron and Anthony Davis? You know, John Collins and Clint Capella are their options, but like, that's not great options to stop LeBron and Anthony Davis. And you figure if they get Trey Young switched on LeBron, that's a nightmare. He's LeBron's just going to bully him every time. Um, I just think this is a, a matchup nightmare for the Hawks. I I think the Lakers are far deeper, even though the Hawks have made some really good pickups. You know, I, like I said, I like Danilo. Rondo's a decent signing, all these things. But I like the Lakers' depth. I like, and I think that's kind of where the Hawks keep close in these games is their depth. The Lakers are the one team that have better depth. The matchup is in the Lakers' favor. And I just really like this game for the Lakers. Um, this feels like a no-brainer, honestly. This feels like a lock, which worries me. When I'm this confident about the Lakers covering, that usually means they don't. Um, but just looking at it, you know, yeah, they're on a long road trip and traveling a lot and everything. And I, I, I just can't help but love the Lakers in this game. Now, the biggest concern is if the Lakers want to come out and fully try, which, you know, obviously they're trying. But like I said, the MO is staying healthy and whatnot. There is the case to be made that they come out and they're 80% and – you know, they, they just don't cover, you know, they win, but they don't cover. They kind of let them creep back in. I think they're going to cover though. Five and a half points. Isn't as much as it looks. I'm going to go Lakers 118, Atlanta Hawks 108. So I'm taking Lakers minus five and a half. And I'm taking the over, I'm taking a combined score of 226, which is seven and a half points above the over. I think the Lakers are going to sco score a fair amount. The Hawks are going to, you know, Lakers really good defensive team. I believe other teams average 103 points a game. Uh, Hawks are going to score a little bit above that, mostly because the Lakers have such a big lead and the defensive pressure is going to kind of subside a little bit. 118-108 Lakers, that's my prediction. What's your prediction? Let me know. Let me know in the reviews. Let me know on Twitter, at Eacherese or at The Lake Show Life. Um, let me know in the articles. I post the betting picks articles with each of these episodes. You could let me know there. Let me know what you think is going to happen. Um, if I had to, you know, I'm not going to tell anyone how to gamble or to gamble, but... I might put actual money on Lakers minus five and a half. I'm just going to say that much. Um, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be exciting. I am probably going to have a little bit extra uh, attached to the game just on top of wanting the Lakers to win. So there's that. Uh, and then we look at the, the rest of the slate. Uh, we got the Lakers back at home on Thursday against the Denver Nuggets. That's a huge game. That is where we could see the Jokic dynamic really come into play, um, especially, you know, with Gasol and whatnot. So that's an interesting matchup. We will come back at you on Thursday morning. Uh, with a preview of that game and a preview of the Detroit Pistons game on Saturday, February 6th. 
Um, and then we'll be back next uh, either Monday or Sunday for the preview of back-to-back games against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. we got a good slate coming up. Get a win against the Hawks. And then really game plan against the Nuggets because that is a interesting matchup to say the least. Um, but in the meantime, y'all have a great day. Y'all have a great rest of your week. Stay healthy out there. Go Lakers. I, I be balling every day.